Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of Data Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky. On this show, we dive deep into how you can use data to measure, manage, and optimize your health with the latest science and technology. This show is brought to you by Heads Up, which is our web and mobile app designed for individuals and healthcare professionals who need a precise way to measure and manage health data. Check us out at headsuphealth.com. If you've got comments, questions, or feedback on this show, shoot us an email, support at headsuphealth.com. We'd love to hear from you. And with that said, let's get into our next exciting episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Data Different Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky, and my special guest today is Dr. Jeremy Stitch. And we're going to get into all kinds of interesting topics around physics, energy medicine, biohacking, health optimization. And so uh, we're going to go on a journey here with Dr. Jeremy. So uh, first of all, Dr. Jeremy, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. It's an honor to be here, man. Yeah. Let's start by just giving us an overview on um, your medical background. You're an MD by training. So what I'm hoping is you can just give us an overview on on your traditional medical background. Then I also want to dive into how you landed in some of the um, realms of physics and energy medicine and biohacking and a lot of the uh, cutting edge stuff that you're working on now, especially the um, immortal chamber. So um, how did it all start for you with your background in the medical world? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I'll start out. I was very much of a skeptic, right? You're taught and you are absolutely ingrained in medicine to learn the right treatment approaches and the right formulas. And then there's like a pill for every ill, right? That's kind of the way that we were taught or a surgery for every ill in some cases. So just to give you a bit of a background, I was emergency medicine trained, board certified. I did any combination of private practice and locums for a number of years until you start looking around and realize like the same folks are kind of just swirling the drain, not really getting better. And I kept seeing the same thing again and again and again. And the lights went off and realized finally like, hey, this is not working, right? And that's what began this foray. And you called it, you know, energy medicine and first traditional medicine. My view on those things have changed quite a bit since I started studying physics. Because I used to think that biochemistry and chemistry itself was the backbone of medicine. Then along comes like quantum physics in 1940s and all these breakthrough discoveries that tell us actually really the foundation of medicine, the root cause, starts at the energetic level in most cases because everything is actually energy. So you have to think about the systems in that order. You have to think about the biochemical systems. You have to think about the purely chemical systems, right? And then you also have to think about the energetic systems that run the body, because this body is essentially a giant energy utilization machine. And it's an absolute phenomenon in creating this this vision-like reaction to take energy and burn it in a very, very formulaic and and well-controlled way that doesn't overheat you, but it still provides you with the energy you need to live through the conversion of uh, ATP. A masterpiece of computing and energy. It's absolutely amazing. Like, and to think that we have like this understood is is really <laughs> it's a big misconception, and we're just at the very forefront of understanding the complexity of the human body. And it's a it's a wonder. It's absolutely amazing. Awesome. I was uh, chatting with our chief medical officer 
couple of weeks ago, Dr. John Lemansky. And as you can imagine at Heads Up, we're building a complex technology platform and and there's dozens upon dozens of computing services we use inside of Amazon to run this thing. And occasionally I'll, I'll see an article coming across my desk of the um, attempts to simulate the computing power of the human brain, real world models of the human brain. And you, you start to look at like, they have a football field sized room full of computers to try to simulate one human brain. We're not even close. And then I said, you know, and, and all I do is like, eat a couple thousand calories a day. Like I'm not plugged into a massive electrical git and the body can just take that small amount of energy, food, and create something that that we're still not even close to creating with our our largest computer data centers. So you just start to appreciate like how efficient we are at even running on very very small amounts of energy and and what our body is even possible are capable of doing with that very, very small amount of energy in. So it puts it in context. It's like 2,000 calories versus 2,000 kilowatts. I don't know what the measurement would be in the compute world and just like how advanced we are as biological machines. Yeah, and that, and that's just like, you're just talking about the raw computing power, Correct. but you also mentioned the ability to synthesize that much information. I, I think I came across the stat that it's around two gigabytes of data per second that our body, that our whole consciousness is exposed to, right? But Makes we're sense. only aware of about 11 or 12 bytes of information per wow. second. It, so so two gigabytes of that. total data per second is what we're taking in visually through all our five senses, right? There's just two gigs of, of data coming in. And then we're able to basically uh, be consciously aware of 10 or 11 bytes of that is what you're saying. And then of that, there's probably even a smaller percentage that we actually commit to memory. And based on my understanding, a lot of what that two gigs that actually gets stored in memory that we can recall is the part that's often associated with emotion, where there's there's some experience associated with it. Of course, yeah, of course. It's imprinting on our bodies. Yeah. So then, Dr. Jeremy, tell us about just your transition path, obviously, out of this world of traditional healthcare and into the world where you're starting to look more at physics and you're starting to look at alternative forms of understanding how the human body works and healing. And then let's like build a bridge over to like some of the stuff you're working on. I'd, I'd love to get to the um, Immortal Chamber, uh, some of the work you're doing with companies like Live. And just like where you're going now directionally with the work you're doing in the world. Oh, thanks, man. I'd love to love to get into that. So the background, the transition, again, my my definition of traditional has changed quite a bit because you start to understand some of these practices are absolutely ancient and we're just kind of retapping into them. But I guess my eye-opening moment happened with my daughter. So I've got a daughter. Uh, some of the folks have probably heard this story before. She's got spina bifida. And, you know, Max and I are on the search going place to place to place, because the answer that we were given is, you know, she's going to probably lose function. She's probably going to need braces the rest of her life, yada, yada, yada. What is spina bifida? Jeremy, forgive my ignorance. Oh, no worries. So spina bifida is when a person is born with part of their spinal cord that's essentially exposed. And when that spinal cord is exposed, the nerves, they essentially lose function. So she's got partial paralysis of lower extremities and numbness in certain places. And traditionally, 
in healthcare, what you're told is like, that's as good as it's going to get. In fact, as she gets older and as she gets heavier, the weight of the body is actually going to make it harder and harder and harder for her to function. So we start taking her, you know, at the advice of different people who have seen different specialists to a lot of them. And there were two people in particular who really made a pretty profound effect on her. The one that really stood out to me was the guy who was doing what's called Meridian Regulatory Acupuncture. And MRA is what that acronym goes by, is essentially the application of direct current to these meridian channels. So Dave, if I can like paint this picture for you, you have a spinal cord that's essentially severed right here. And there are pieces in the front that connect, but there's pieces in the back that don't. So this to this is missing, right? Understood. And what this gentleman was able to do is through his conscious intention plus you know, an intimate knowledge of these meridian pathways, he was able to bypass that pathway. Makes sense. a connection to her legs using these other channels and direct current, this electricity. And when I saw it, you got to imagine, so like very, very deep in the allopathic world. Yep. And all of a sudden you see this child's skin that's normally fairly pale and non-reactive starts to flush. And then she gets goosebumps. And then you see this little like tapping of the foot. I'm like, whoa. That's incredible. Like a goosebumps moment right there, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, it very much is. It's a humbling moment because you realize really quickly, at least I realized, there's a whole realm of something here that I just was not tuned into. Awesome. And it took years to wrap my head around what exactly was happening and how this fits within the paradigm of biochemistry, biophysics, consciousness itself, like all these things that, that now make sense. Like we're now starting to understand the real ramifications of like quantum physics reality and a consciousness-based universe. But at the time, I was just like, what? <laughs> what am I seeing? That's that's um, profound. So it's like I presume this is this is when you started down the rabbit hole and figuring yeah. out how does all of this work and what is this whole un- unknown domain. And and totally. okay, that makes a ton of sense. And so tell us a little more, if you don't mind sharing, about how did her journey progress and how did that intersect with your change in career direction? It'd be just great to hear how that played out over the next few years, because it sounds like that was the first, if I have it correctly, the first time where there was a professional, a medical professional that that had something that worked that was not in the purview of of allopathic care. So were there other things that you found that worked? And then and, and how has that whole thing progressed with her and and your own path? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, that was definitely the big one, right? And then it, you dabble in everything from the crazy woo to just the fringe science to see what works. But that was definitely the big eye-opening moment for me. So how long did you continue with, with those sessions, those MRA sessions? Um, she went for four of them. I ended up doing the training myself. It's something I still kind of dabble in. But as part of the progression, you you start to realize like the implications of what we're talking about here uh, with the science. And it starts to make sense, like why he was able to make these bypasses. Cause he would always tell me things like, Oh, Jeremy, yeah, I would take patients up there and watch and just observe trying to understand what I'm seeing. Jeremy, like you can access anywhere from anywhere in the body. Like it's, it's quantumly connected. Right. So take this back to what we were talking about at the beginning, right? That two gigabytes of information. 
what essentially is happening is like this body is like a giant quantum computer and it's processing tons and tons and tons of information all the time. And it's able to basically speak to itself through what we now understand is a field-based communication. It's, yep. it's almost instantaneous, right? Yeah, quantum communication is instantaneous even on other side, at opposite ends of the solar system. Correct, correct. It is entangled, as they say. <laughs> yeah. So then it starts like clicking, but, but that procedure was the big one. Her story is her story, but you know she's able to walk a little bit without braces now. She's much, much stronger. You know that she's got spina bifida, but I mean, she's a you know, beautiful, healthy, otherwise vibrant young lady. So uh, she's like a cool inspiration for all of us. Hopefully at some point you can like maybe interview her and she'll tell her story. It wouldn't be very fun right now because it might be a little sulky. Well, man, when, when you're talking about the capabilities of this acupuncture for, for healing, tangentially related, but one of the guys who works for us here at Heads Up told me about this book called The Magus of Java. And The Magus of Java is a, a true story about a man named John Chang who lives in Indonesia on the island of Java. And he is, is one of the last descendants of some of these Taoist and Tai Chi-based masters that have learned to work with different energy systems in the body. There's the solar plexus energy-based system that they work with, and then there's also an energy system at the root of the spine, the very, very base of the spine. And he is also an acupuncturist who is, people come from all over the world for him to do acupuncture. And there's very, very few conditions that he's not been able to successfully treat through his acupuncture. How all this became mainstream is that at one point he allowed cameras to come and video some of the work he was doing. And there's actually videos where he's able to do things that were considered outside of the realm of possibility. And so there's, he's able to actually, there's a video where he lights newspaper on fire using purely energy generated from his hands. And there's video where he can take a chopstick and push it through a wooden table. And there are, there are scientists sitting around the table and video cameras <laughs> recording this stuff. And um, ultimately, when you read his book, you realize that by sharing that information publicly, it, it went fundamentally against all of the laws of his lineage. Mm -hmm. So part of what he's doing, and I respect it, is he is opening up some of this knowledge to the Western world, which has been very closed off and esoteric. Not unlike a lot of yogis have done, for example. Like, for example, Yogi Bhajan in Kundalini Yoga, who came over and brought what were considered sacred practices to everyone in the West, because that was just part of what he felt was necessary. And, and that's why he wrote the book, and that's why he allowed the videos to be recorded. But now he's more back as a recluse, just working with patients one-on-one. -on -one. I only bring that up because it connects back to what you told us with the acupuncture and his ability to heal at an in a physical level of energy using acupuncture where there were no really other successful treatments. So I don't fully understand all of the underpinning mechanisms of how that works, but it just resonated with me with what you're talking about and some of these, the way they can heal in different yeah. ways. I mean, that's an amazing, amazing history right there. Like that guy is like truly out of this world, you know? The book is crazy. 
you ever grew up playing those those video games of like kung fu masters that can like you know like street fighter you know where like <laughs> ken and ryu can shoot those oh, yeah. those balls at each other you know mm-hmm. they, they talk about that shit about like that being real with with some of these like shaolin and, and masters and stuff like that so um Anyhow, complete digression, but there is some overlap there with the acupuncture story. Magus of Java, awesome book. We'll link to it. So how did that get you into EEMF and red light therapy and other, what I would call some of these biohacking modalities? I do them all. I love them. But you've now got involved with a company that that is starting to bring some of this technology to the mainstream, the Immortal Chamber being one example of that, which is taking several of these modalities and and fusing them together into one experience. So is that part of like, as you dug deeper into the research and started figuring out how all of these things worked and then started visualizing a a way that you could bring this together into a modality like that? Well, that's definitely a group effort. I mean, that's, you know, everybody's individual story is there's a, a number of us who are founders and we all sort of brought our own piece of that puzzle together. Mine was the pulse electric fields and the pulse electromagnetic fields. And you had like Brian working on how do we make this chamber and how do we make this, we'll turn this pad into a chamber and a real experience. And then- But what was the origin story? Can you give us the amortal origin story? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Stephen and Brian are basically friends who are working together and they're creating what started out as like, PEMF pads and a light bed experience off of some stuff that Stephen had seen in his clinic. And he's deep in the yogi stuff, but he's also an experienced PhD. So he, he kind of blends those two worlds really, Love really it. well. And he was starting to see pretty amazing response rates and recoveries from you know folks who'd been using the, the red light plus the PEMF together, and you start adding different modalities. So what ended up happening with the chamber is you had these groups of people who all kind of came together with how can we make this the best, most coherent experience that recharges the human body. And remember the word coherence, right? Because this is going to come back to the physics. So, you know, their contribution was the development and the organization of it. Um, We had different folks with light. We have different folks with sound and coherence. And then mine was, I'd taken this kind of, this journey from going from no energy to acupuncture to going on this wild goose chase of finding like the best, most efficient way to give the body a coherent version of electromagnetic energy. And what we found is not new. It's actually like really, really old stuff. So back in like 1897, I believe, is when Tesla created this human plasma charging machine that essentially creates a plasma field, which is a coherent version of electromagnetic energy. Very, very similar to what the body makes. Now, they didn't know that at the time. Like Albert Fritz Pops, he's a PhD who who really coined this idea of like, coherent light within the human body like that wasn't known at the time right but what they did see these pioneers like him and lakovsky was they realized that the human body did actually generate a field of electricity and that the form of that electricity had to be coherent so what we found was we were originally doing direct current and then puncturing people with needles and then we didn't need to do that anymore and we found tools and old inventions where you could use the fields themselves to act as sort of like a battery 
Understood. Charger. Okay. So this is starting to work as uh, an alternative then to the needles and the acupuncture in some respects? Exactly. exactly. Wow. Okay. And so for those listening who have never heard of the chamber itself, can you describe it for us? Yeah. So the chamber is like this experience, this multimodality experience where you have photodynamic therapy, or, uh, light therapy, sound and vibration, a guided meditation, and pulsed electromagnetic fields. And then we add in this antioxidant with hydrogen. So molecular hydrogen therapy. Sorry about that. So the idea was if you can create coherence, basically give the body lower forms of energy that don't overwhelm it. Yep. In a state that it's most receptive, which is typically the parasympathetic state. Meditative state. Bingo. Then we can be much more effective and more efficient with the doses of energy that we give us that we provide. And think of this as like, not trying to replace nature, but our MO, the way that we thought about this was, if you put a human in the most ideal, serene, natural environment, what's it going to be, right? You're going to be out in nature. Yeah, at a beach somewhere or in a park, lying on the grass with nice warm sun on you. And so that's light. Yeah. And then you sit on the ground so that you're grounded. You're literally getting electrons. Or in the water or something like that. Yeah. Totally. And you've got, you're bathed in this electromagnetic bath of different sounds, which are different frequencies. All of that is information, right? Yep. Go back to the two gigabytes, right? That's all being picked up by this quantum computer that holds our consciousness, this body. So all those signals are signals from the environment that we've evolved with over God only knows how many years, right? Mm -hmm. And we wanted to put that back into a, a machine because if you also look at what's happened to mankind in the last, oh, I don't know, 100 years, is we spend 90% of our time inside. Yep. And I remember someone saying that the spectrums of light indoors that you can absorb, even though it, I can see everything, there's, there's light in the room. Mm -hmm. But like the amount of, I don't know what the right words would be, you'll have to correct me, the photons or whatever that are absorbed indoors are a small fraction of what you can absorb outdoors. They are. So you can just never get what the body needs through indoor, traditional indoor light. Maybe that's changing, but. Yeah, I would say, you know, we're getting closer. Every step we get closer and we're evolving and we're starting to catch up. But closing a gap, you know, where you spend the majority of, or at least a good percentage of your time outdoors to in a hundred years, taking a species and moving it indoors, that's a big gap, right? The air yeah. is 15 times more polluted inside. The light spectrum is a fraction of what it is outside. The yeah. sounds, right? You're just not getting that. Like there's something really comforting about sitting under the stars and hearing crickets at night. Yeah. That's, that's why it's on everybody's meditation app. Yeah. But we don't have that stuff anymore. So the idea with a chamber is we want to bathe the body in these coherent versions of energy at, at doses that it's capable of receiving, yep. in a state that it's capable of receiving them. Makes total sense. So if we start thinking about kind of what is the human body, and we, we think of it in terms of a battery. Now, technically, it's a capacitor, not a battery. A battery is, yep. they're very, very close, but a capacitor allows for extra discharge, whereas a battery kind of doesn't. But let's just think of it as a battery. So we used to think of the battery, the human battery, as running on food and 
to some extent, movement, right? Those are the kind of the two ingredients. And if you go to a traditional clinician or a dietitian, they're going to say, okay, cool, exercise and eat the right amount of calories, right? When you start thinking in terms of quantum physics, you realize like that's not really the whole story. Like there is food, that's one source of energy. And yeah, we have to move, that's another source of energy. But then you have to think about like the light, the vibration, the electricity itself, and then the balance of the parasympathetic and sympathetic state to put us in a state of receptivity, a state of coherence where we can actually absorb these. And that is the state that we are shooting for, right? When we start to think about all those modalities, that's why they exist in combination on the chamber. I got it. And so bringing this product to market, right? Like <laughs> starting with a blank sheet of paper here, right? Like, <laughs> like you got to tune this sucker, right? Because you got, you got a lot going on in there. And like you said, it's, it's got to come in at, at the right doses, not too much, not too little. And the person's got to be in the right state you know, for this to even work. You can't be on a Zoom call and expect this to, to, to have the same effect. You know what I mean? So That's like, correct. tell us just about like getting that iterative process right till you're like, okay, we've perfected it. You know what I mean? And it's never perfected because you're building technology. So I get that it will get better with every successive version. But there had to be a point where you took all these pieces that have never been put together before and had to iterate on a really complicated, expensive piece of hardware and bring this creation to the world. Like, how long did that take from, like, just getting to that where it's like, this is commercially ready? Yeah, totally, totally. You know, it's definitely been a labor of love. And most of the credit goes to Brian, who's our CEO. He's got this big engineering background, and he's taken products and brought them to market before. So he has the experience, right? But we're talking about, but at this point, a three and a half year labor of love, where this thing started out as like pads <laughs> and like a light source in front of you. And you're like laying on it. It exists in the back of some super sketchy white van. We're like, hey, come over, try this. Right. Yep. Creepy white van. Totally. It's got to be creepy. No license yeah. place. Yeah. And like taking that design and saying, okay, what works, what doesn't, fine tuning it. What is the best version of this? That's how I came into the picture is you know, I, I'm starting to study all this biophysics stuff and Brian yeah. and I hop on a phone call and he's like, Hey, I, what I need to know is like, is any of this harmful? And yeah. I said, well, you know, it's probably not harmful, but the electromagnetic spectrum that we're getting isn't ideal. And we did, we tend to see this plateau effect with a, a lot of biohacking modalities. Right. And that was kind of the, the big change where Brian's putting it all into this really cool looking package. And then we yep. add in this old Tesla technology and we're like, okay, that's sort of the missing ingredient. And that's where people would go from like, hey, this was a cool experience to, wow, like I really feel differently. Like my recovery is, is better. Like I, I feel relaxed and energetic at the same time. And I don't want to make claims, but some of the stuff you see, you start to connect the dots and you're like, okay, that that makes sense. We've gotten into that state of coherence. That's when we knew we really had something. Well, anecdotally, Dr. Jeremy, two people that we were with, the biohacking conference last summer in Orlando, our chief medical officer, a uh, good buddy of mine, PJ, they both tried the chamber at the show. They both reported exactly what you described, relaxed and energetic. That was unbiased testimonial because uh, there was a long queue of people to even be able to try it. So for the people that did get in, I just wanted to get some feedback. And that was exactly how they described their experience. Now, 
if you can deliver that to people who are living in urban environments and dealing with commutes and time at the computer and all the stuff, you know what I mean? All the things. But you could go to a clinic like uh, Live, for example, or Alchemy down in Miami or all the places that will have these chambers. And in a period of time, what's a typical session in the chamber duration? Yeah, I mean, they range from 15 minutes to almost just shy of an hour. So an hour by the time you change clothes and stuff. And you can have an experience that's equivalent to you know, going to a, a beach or a park and having a time in nature alone to yourself. You know, there's in Japanese, they call it Shinrin Yoku or something like that. Forest bathing. Forest bathing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can deliver that to people in an accessible way, in a condensed format. It helps us adapt to our modern world. You said it like, hey, in 100 years, our conditions have completely changed, right? So then what can we do to innovate, to create opportunities through technology to help us adapt to our current circumstances? You know, because biology cannot adapt in 100 years. Evolution cannot adapt in 100 years, but we can close that gap through experiences. Like yeah, totally. I mean, conscious innovation is the key to survival. That's what makes man just so successful in that endeavor. But yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You know, I would a hundred times out of a hundred, if somebody asks me like, should I go use the chamber, go outside? I'm going to say go outside. But the reality of it is, you know, you're, you're busy. Like a lot of our, a lot of our initial clients, you know, they're like super high performing, very smart, very sharp CEOs. They've got families. They're also health conscious and you start stacking all these things into your calendar and you're like, how in the heck do I get in red light therapy and sauna and PEMF and time grounding and this kind of thing? That becomes like a, a ritual. So at some point, you know, for some people, it's like, okay, if I can do this quickly and get into a habit of doing it, you know, that's like my morning prayer, my morning meditation time or whatever that morning ritual becomes, right? And it's just a time saver. It's just, I wouldn't say necessity, but man, like it saves a lot of time. Well, on that topic, you mentioned ritual, you know, which is ritual for me is um, creating a, a dedicated time and space in the day. Maybe it's once a week. Like I actually block certain things on my calendar and even in the calendar invite in brackets, I'll put the word ritual. I'm looking at my calendar right now. So every Wednesday night at 630 there's like my favorite Bikram yoga class. And like with all the shit I do, it's like, I just know every Wednesday I have that ritual carved out on my calendar. You know what I mean? And this experience could be part of it. Similarly, there's a biohacking or recovery lounge by my house in Scottsdale. And that's also a place I go. It's my sanctuary, honestly, where I can just go there for a period of time and work on recovery. But I go in there, I do 20 or 30 minutes in the sauna. I do uh, 12 minutes in the PEMF bed. I do another 15 minutes in the red light. So very quickly, to do it right, I'm in there for an hour and a half. So you're kind of compressing some of these things as well into one experience. So it shortens the amount of time in some respects to be able to get all of those things delivered. Yeah. And it keeps you, I mean, remember the term coherence, right? Coherence is when the simplest way to think of it is it's compatible energies or compatible waveforms. So if you've got a sine wave and a square wave, those are not coherent, right? Sure. Different. 
is really hard to task switch. Like ask any executive, ask anyone who has ever studied this, they will tell you the same thing. Like task switching is hard. It's confusing. And even when you're trying to get in a zone and that's like your space, and then you go from one thing to another, like it takes you out of mind, you know? 300 Slack messages, 200 emails, five Zoom calls, you know? Yeah. And even within the biohacking thing, like just the experience you just mentioned, right? You go three or four different modalities in that one trip, but every 20 minutes or 30 minutes, you're switching from one to another, to another, to another. Like just being able to stay in the same state of mind, it's kind of like that vacation that we all crave, like sitting on the beach and being present for 45 freaking minutes at a time without being interrupted, leaving the cell phone behind. And they bring you your healthy food and you just, you don't have to move. You don't have to think. (laughs) You just get it all in one shot. Yep. yep. That's the plan. I mean, that's the idea. Yeah. Right on. Well, just in closing on that, first of all, for those who are not familiar, this is not only powerful, but also just the aesthetic and the visual component to a mortal. It just visually makes me feel like I'm engaging in something that is I don't know what the word might be, but the aesthetic of the machine, the chamber itself is complementary to like everything that it's offering. So it's just an incredibly beautiful and elegant and sophisticated and stylish piece of art. (laughs) And that's the best way I could describe it. But also with all this amazing stuff packed in for the healing modalities, the light, the sound, the PEMF, the hydrogen, all of that kind of stuff in like a beautiful piece of art that you would want in like your living room. <laughs> well, but think about that too. Like that's part of the design and, and credit to the engineers and the brains that put this together. Cause like, that's what they're thinking about. But you walk into my room right now, it looks like a Frankenstein lab. You know, I've got like experimental machines and I've got Tesla coils and I've got different little biohacking modalities and PEMF mats and what, like all this stuff. Right. And the average person is like, Dude, dude's office rocker. Totally. <laughs> so if you want to put something like that in your home, like at least make it look cool. Yeah. Off the rocker is exactly where I like to be. You know, that that just means that I'm I'm in uncharted territory <laughs> with, with what I'm working on in the world. So um yeah, that resonates. So moving on then, uh, Dr. Jeremy, aside from doing the work you're doing there at Immortal, can you share a bit of the other work you're doing just in the world of concierge medicine or, or health optimization. I know you're, you're consulting with different groups who are also bringing these experiences to the general public. So anything else just career-wise you're working on right now that you'd want to pass on in terms of information or education to our listeners? But, I mean, I'd say the biggest thing for your listeners, I'll talk about that in a moment, but like if you would get nothing else from this, just knowing that like being outside, being in nature is a absolutely crucial piece of your health. Awesome. And for practitioners, like you should be asking that question, like how much time do you spend in nature to your yep. clients and your patients? Like it's essential. What am I doing right now? Focus pretty heavily on working with uh, my partners at Live and what we're creating like similar experiences, but a little bit more focused on an individual's needs. We're diving very, very deep with very few clients at a time to understand what they need with the intention of taking that and and replicating it. Because if you start taking, you know, and we've done this with other businesses, you, you take folks through a journey and about 20 or 30 different different standard treatment algorithms 
start to pop up, right? And creating yep. those to say, okay, what is a neuro-optimization package? What does this look like for somebody who is struggling with, you know, a genetic risk of Alzheimer's and, you know, super high-functioning but high-stress environment? What can we put together to help people recover faster so they can be at their best, you know, into 120 years of healthy living? Yep. So that's pretty fun stuff. And we're getting into really cool creative stuff. Like we're going up doing some EBU training so extra corporeal oxygenation, ozonation, remove a bunch of toxins and basically eliminate in a healthy way, stimulate the body to eliminate unhealthy pathogens. So that kind of thing. What was that one, Jeremy? The acronym you used? EBO, E-B-O-O. Is that the dialysis type stuff or is that something different? So it uses a dialysis filter, it flips it upside down, and you're essentially ozonating the blood as it's going through this filter right. okay. um, to maximize surface area and maximize low-dose ozone therapy. So a lot of people think like this is crazy high-dose, dangerous stuff. It's actually not the way it works. You use a relatively small dose, but a bigger surface area. And you're stimulating the body through, number one, direct action of ozone. And then number two, you get this hermetic response where you activate you know, a small stressor to the body and then responds with all these natural antioxidants. Understood. And getting back to that whole idea, you're, you're, you know, people who are inside, 90% of the time, what are we breathing in? Well, we're breathing in spores, dust, and all that crud and those things. And there's a filtration to it as well. It's like almost a biohacker's dialysis, if, if I could like summarize it. That's the way to think of it. Okay, awesome. So you're building the playbooks, the protocols, if you will, starting with very small, high-touch clients. We're working on a project there together at the moment. But then once you figure out the protocols and the, the playbooks and the blueprints for these different use cases, then you'll you'll replicate and scale those out with your partners at Live. And I know some of the work they're doing at Live, Live Wellness, they're also incorporating a lot of advanced diagnostic testing there's other modalities, including hyperbaric oxygen, and looking at a lot of the, the advanced biomarkers for um, biological age and chronological age. So it looks very sophisticated, and we're excited to see what you guys come up with over there. We're happy to provide some of the software to uh, start measuring the outcomes as you guys figure all this stuff out. So that's where I'm, I'm excited to keep working with you guys on that oh, part man, of it. We're, we're deeply appreciative to be able to ha house everything in one place. I actually got a meeting with with my partner on that this weekend where we're just specifically going over his stuff so he can he can see it and go through it's nasty himself. like just the project we're working on with you guys there's like <laughs> 20 different lab panels all the data is everywhere all these different pdfs that's kind of why like we exist in the world is like okay this is critical data it has to be normalized and put on trend lines and made available so we're helping with that part of it as best we can. You guys have been an especially good test for our capabilities of our system. <laughs> we'll push you, man. We'll push you yeah, you definitely. Yeah. No, it's huge. Like to have to be able to display that kind of stuff and actually give people, okay, this is meaningful feedback because you yeah. start at point A and you might feel better, but if you don't measure it, you don't you get a good feeling, but you're not a hundred percent until you measure it. Absolutely. And for me, when I when I started down this path as a medical layperson, I was working in you know, computer data centers. But just getting a little bit of biofeedback data on my health made me change my behavior significantly. And I'm like, wow, okay, just the numbers made me realize I got work to do. 
And once I realized how powerful just some biofeedback was, nothing else for a person, and I saw how quickly it changed my own habits, that's when I realized that I wanted to focus on this full time. And and I'm sure you've seen it when an individual client or patient, whatever type of practice you're running, when they start to be able to connect their own decisions back to the data that they're receiving and the aha moment goes off uh, and they start to learn how to self-calibrate. That's the essence of what we're trying to do and then make that available to as, as many people as possible. But the reality is they still need really talented practitioners because we as lay people can interact with some data, sleep quality, HRV, blood glucose. But when you start looking at more advanced testing, like Genova microbiome testing and some of the other stool testing and all the labs, you quickly get out of the realm of the layman. You know, So then it's like, how do we also let the practitioner tap into that data and provide that next level of interpretation? So I'm excited to keep working with you on that. We'd love to also collaborate with you and the chamber and start to figure out, you know, are there are there biomarkers that we can identify that are moving in the right direction? HRV, everybody's chasing that one now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the holy grail for me. I live and die on my HRV daily as an entrepreneur. I throw everything else out of that Aura app. Like that's the number I look at to tell me how well I'm managing myself. So yeah. if we can start to move the needle on that one, it'd be super exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big one. I mean, I'm I'm deep sleep personally because there's a lot of things that can affect HRV. You get a hermetic response right from something that's positive, it's going to tank your HRV. Yeah. So sometimes, usually for me, the tank is because of something I did that is not positive stress. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, but with deep sleep, are you using Aura as your benchmark there? I am. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, it's just the it's the most convenient one that I've used. I've used most of the measuring devices at this point mm -hmm. and it's hard to beat the convenience of a ring <laughs> and the quality of the data is very very accurate and consistent so that's our gold standard as well very cool all right brother so um in uh, closing here doc if people are interested in connecting with a mortal can you give us some resources on that and then um, any any other uh, ways that people can connect with you or with live or with any other irons you have in the fire what would you want to leave us with <laughs> yeah i mean as much as we can kind of standardize things and give people access to like really really good health care that's what we that's what our goal is so immortal simple www.amortal it's like immortal spelled incorrectly with an a so amortal.com and then for me just reach out to live wellness so it's live the wellness space lyv lyv yeah also misspelled i don't know Finance, we have two customers, one's L-I-V, one's L-Y-V. So our Slack <laughs> channels, you know, we have to be really specific about who we're talking about. <laughs> I guess it's a good name, man. Yeah. I can't fault us. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Dr. Jeremy. We're grateful for you making time out of your day to share your expertise with us. And we look forward to uh, more great collaboration with Live, Immortal, everything else we're uh we're working on here in Parallel Pass. Will we see you in uh, Dallas for uh, the biohacking conference? Are you planning yeah. to attend? I don't I know. Think if I'll the make one, in one in uh, May. I believe so. I'm working on it, so hopefully we'll touch base there and actually get you in the chamber this time. That would be pretty sweet. 
Yeah, that'd be great. Well, yeah, there's a couple clinics we support as well that have theirs delivered now. So if it's not at the conference, it'll be next time I'm at one of um, our uh, heads up clinics that has the chambers as well. So I can't wait. Yeah. All right, Doc. Thank you. Hi, brother. Thank you for putting out the good word. Thank you for uh, giving people access to great data. It's super important. All right, man. Thanks, Doc. Have a great day. All right. You too. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 